0: What should we not Salutation shades and welcome back to your one stop shop for all things strange and unusual talking with shadows the conversation everyone has but no one wants to admit to here with your host Vic Waitley
1: and a very bubbly Marcus D because I am super excited because today we're drinking some Bud Light seltzers you should describe yourself as bubbly more often bubbly Marcus D <laughs> I like I like that. Want to introduce myself to people. This is cool. I think that we've had. The, I think we've had the seltzers before. I think. Did we? Did I, we I
0: think we're getting. We're having different flavors today. I, I think, think we're. Had lime. flavors we have? I had swear
1: we had lime before. the last time that we had these. What do you having? I'm drinking uh, Bud Light Seltzer Mango,
0: and I'm cracking into some cranberry. Mm. Crackberry. Oh, that sounded way worse than I meant it to. With <laughs> <was> some crackberry.
1: <laughs> the wild crackberries that grow <laughs> on the southern slopes of southern India. <laughs> I will definitely say if you like cranberry, this is a good choice. Uh, I will tell you, please don't try crackberries. Just say <laughs> just say no. It's not gonna be no you. to crackberries. Just say no. Just say no to crackberries. But Marcus, should... it's natural. <laughs> yeah, so 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 is rice <laughs> like <laughs> ricin? That's poison. It's bad for you. Don't drink, don't <laughs> eat it. Did you just say ricin? Ricin. I was mispronouncing, and I know that's what I was going for. No, no, like,
0: no, no. Like, that's just an interesting. The that's the alkaloid that's derived from castor beans. And if you after the poison sets in, there's no fixing it.
1: Yeah, that's what I meant. Like it's nat. It's a natural. It's a natural yeah, yeah. thing. Yeah, it'll kill you. It's bad for you. Sometimes. Natural things are not good for you to eat, they're
0: point like poison dart frogs, very
1: natural. (laughs) Don't eat them, that doesn't make sense.
0: No, I'm just saying that's an interesting reference you made. But if the poison dart frog is from captivity, apparently they lose their poison, and we don't know exactly why. That
1: was my response when we worked at the hospital, like because all the time, (laughs) you know, because we worked at the psych hospital. If people like were really, really like really super pro marijuana, I had to say something. And they would be like, marijuana is natural. I'm like, so is rice. And I'm like, that does—that's not a good argument <laughs> not by going itself. To get the poison dart frog one, I think, will. Fly. I'm like, you know, that—that's that, not a good argument by itself. But it was. But I, I had to say something at the hospitals or as a comeback to that.
0: So second day working down here in the new studio, we still have a bunch of hanging wires. Yeah, that hasn't
1: <laughs> changed. A whole lot.
0: But we did we
1: did get a lot of comments from you guys saying that you guys really did uh, like the sound of the new studio. Uh, I think it was Secret Grass Paranormal Podcast, as well as I Am Feel both gave us positive uh, uh, responses to how we were sounding down here. So we're super, super excited to be moving on uh, and moving along in the studio, hoping soon to get the video element going up. Again, we make no promises for how we look. I mean, You've I've, had fair warning.
0: I really think it's probably going to be at least another month. There's still work going on in this studio. Like we're still getting electricity red. We're still running like all yeah. of our equipment on a extension cord <laughs> going all the way across the room. <laughs>
1: like we, we we really do some like we do just we just sound like two teenagers like in our parents' basement just deciding that we're going to make a paranormal podcast. That's how just, it started I know more figuring or less. It out yeah, we huddled around a single laptop computer with a single Yeti mic that we shared. And now we've moved on to like dual computers, dual mics with like with a whole, uh, with a whole, the whole board and the whole set. So we're, we're coming along. We're, we're coming it's along. There. It's getting there. So, but we're back and we're getting back to doing more regular content. So we're super, super excited <laughs> about that. Uh, if you didn't check out our last episode, uh, <laughs> the title of it was What the <laughs> is Ape Sock? can't really pronounce the whole thing I thought that was a, a clever name for it uh, which was a whole like new uh department within the government, uh, not a whole department but like a new division within the government that's going to be tasked a a task, force. task force with investigating unidentified aerial phenomenon pinky pinky uh you you know essentially the UFO task force uh, and me and uh, Vic did a really good job uh, ripping <laughs> the cover it apart, which is one of our favorite things to do, uh, and speculating on it. So uh, some fun stuff uh, that that came from it. Uh, Laughing Fox said, as someone who knows these two uh, for years, I can confirm that their voices were in fact switched at birth, <laughs> uh, which is accurate. Talking about how uh, that we both, when people meet us, they really think our voices just. Don't match our body. Wait, wait, wait.
0: So people really think that this beautiful voice should be coming out of that potato head over there. And I'm uh, at. This
1: sexy, rugged, masculine <laughs> voice should uh probably match up with that lumberjack ass body that you
0: got over there. It's getting pretty lumberjacky over here. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I know ready you're... to
1: jack some lumber. <laughs> you went to a resources fair and got tired after visiting
0: two booths carrying brochures. Don't okay, get me that I'm jacked. I am, Jack, but I'm also still getting better. I'm, like, still dealing with, like, some thyroid issues, which makes you, like, stupid tired. How old are
1: you? I'm having thyroid issues. I know. It's true. It's true. But I'm just (laughs) trying to make the argument that I'm not old. I have a thyroid issue. I'm like, okay. Okay, okay. Let's get rolling. Let's get rolling. Moving on. Moving on. Uh. Patron Clan992 said, Y'all sound great in the new studio. I feel like both of you guys are right, as it's nicer. It's nice saber waving combined with legit transparency.
0: Saber waving? Saber I, rattling. Oh, saber rattling. Yeah, like oh, we're, okay. yeah the, okay. arg- the
1: argument being that what we're saying is we're, we're coming out publicly saying that we know that the UFOs, because we're assuming that they're foreign nationals, oh. uh, air, airplanes, and we're being like, we know that this is a thing. Stay out of our yard.
0: Okay, I had a, I had a total brain failure for a sec because I thought they were saying like the new studio is saber rattling, and I'm like, what? What? <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm I'm apparently having a little bit of an off day today.
1: Mm. Uh, awesome. One of my another one of our patrons, one of our original patrons, and or one of my absolute personal favorites, uh, Barbara Continalo, uh, Big Hearts fan uh said yes it's saber waving my question is, is what are they actually up to because this was this was such bull that's my fan right they just calling <laughs> about <laughs> i don't know where i get it from now uh when we're not supposed to be lo- uh, where are we not supposed to be looking i think they brought up the underwater aspect so people go oh
0: and look there uh where what are they really doing damn it lol I think that's always a good question. Whenever everyone's trying to get you to look at the right hand, you really need to be wondering about the left that's hand. So so you guys, yeah. You guys are really nailing it.
1: Like if you guys are ever f- like familiar with the, the magician's pen and teller, they talk about this all the time when they do magic. They said, anytime that a magician says, see, nothing's in my hand, for the love of God, don't look at their hands because they're doing something different somewhere. Because <laughs> like, that's where they want you to look. So if they're saying, hey, look here underwater, I'm like, what's in the sky? Like you know, I'm like looking at like in the movie, like in that movie, uh, don't look up. And I'm like, I'm like, they're like, look, look at the water. I'm like, no, I'm gonna look at the sky. I still so like, haven't what seen that. Everyone this? says it's so good. I mean, I I think it's it's good. It's funny. I I think it's I think the lady that uh, I can't I can never I think it's Jennifer Lawrence who plays in it. You know, she okay she, she, Jennifer Lawrence in that movie who's the who's the lady who discovers the the asteroid. I swear it sounds like me and you. <laughs> because we'll be like, they'll be just be sitting in this room and there's just weird stuff going on. And she's like,
0: I feel like I'm taking crazy pills.
1: <laughs> like, why are we not talking about this? Like, losing her mind. And everybody's just like, like trying to enjoy Thanksgiving.
0: <laughs> like, like everyone's wanting to talk about the government's doing this, the government's doing that right now. I still want to know about the whole government worshiping giant owls. Yeah, we're going back to why that. Why can't like, we circle back to that? <laughs> yeah, like we keep having,
1: like, we keep not being able to come back to this conversation. That's, that's kind of, that's kind of weird. So, bringing that stuff up, people. Uh, no, we thought, uh, so for today, what we thought though, that we would do is we would do a crypt We're going to cover what AIMSOC should be looking we should into. Should be looking into, and this is the real stuff. Uh, and if they're thinking about discovering, doing a task force to look into cryptids, uh, the the men in black that are tasked with watching me and Vic, we volunteer as tribute. <laughs> like, we will, to- we will totally do this for you guys to go investigate. Uh, to look at a cryptid, one of our patrons, Dan Ward, said he really would like us to get back to a cryptid, so we were super excited about doing that this, uh, this episode. And so uh, we're going to talk about an Indiana cryptid, uh, one of Vic's favorites that I discovered as I was poking around. There is a mermaid story that came out of the state <laughs> of Indiana. So today we're going to be talking about the, the Indiana mud mermaids uh, it's it's kind of interesting. They have like different fr- uh, like different like terms that people call them and stuff and like that. But the general story is that it was in uh, I believe it was October of nineteen eighty 1980, of nineteen eighty one in Vive Vive I can never pronounce that right. Vive, Indiana, which is in Switzerland County, uh, along the Ohio along the Ohio River. Sort of. I w- I think it's down closer towards like the Louisville area. Like if you're trying to think geographically, yeah, like- it's
0: in between us in Evansville and Louisville. Yeah,
1: so it's uh it, it's it's along those lines and essentially what happened was that there was the a town within that town people said that they were reported spotting these weird mermaids coming out of the river too spe- uh too specifically uh and there was a story and this story got picked up by the cincinnati Enquirer, actually that ran this particular story about people from this town reported spotting these things uh, and the description of them is really is, is really interesting because it's not fully exact of what you would think like a mermaid would look like. So they were about five feet long, yellowish skin with hands, with, like, human-esque hands. Uh, the tail, though, didn't go down to, like, little mermaid tail. Like, it it, it was sort of like a tadpole-esque tail that went towards the back, uh, yellowish in skin with these weird, like, Elf. They described yeah, them as like dog. Like well, they described like dog, wolf-like ears that point towards the back. No hair, even though for some reason people like to depict this thing with hair. I believe that they described them without actual hair. Um, oh, and claws. Yeah, claws yeah the hands that claw. Teeth. The hands that claws and sharp teeth. Kind of a little more kind of like the 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 mermaids from the Harry Potter esque thing with their yeah. with their with their hands and their and their sort of teeth sort of look and people describe them as carnivorous that they would find sometimes them like eating mussels and other fish, fish life from there as well. I didn't find any stories of people being attacked by these things.
0: No, but there are accounts saying that they did have small back legs along with the
1: tail Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and that they would move around. And then this is really, as far as only the time that I can tell this particular article in this particular area that they talk about these things, not saying you can't connect these to other things. Uh, but we're going to get to that here in a little bit.
0: It does get a little weird because there, there is maybe a second account or there was a dating error at one point in time. Mm-hmm. So it, it becomes a little difficult to confirm how many times there were sightings of, of these things. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, the most accurate sketch that we have from them came from a Kentucky Confederate captain named J.M. Ozier uh, who sort of gave us the... The general description, um, like if you look at some of the sketch art online, like people that people that people sort of describe it to. And that's where most of the sketches I think actually get their inspiration from was his original um, sketch and description of these things.
0: Unfortunately, a taxonomist, he was not. (laughs)
1: Well, yeah. But I mean, I think that's (laughs) how a lot of those stories around that time period sort of happened. It's, you know, there's just, you know they're not the most like it's not like a journalist goes out takes a photo of it. It's like somebody typically who's not the best at drawing, trying to trying to draw like little stick figures, being like, "This is what I saw." And It looks like something that you would, your kid drew you, that you would put up on, on the on the refrigerator.
0: I think one of the first things we should really talk about here is there are really weird things mm-hmm. around the Ohio River. Oh,
1: absolutely! Like following
0: the Ohio River down, you will find the strangest cryptid encounters you will see mm-hmm. anywhere.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, you see all sorts of weird stuff with like weird octopuses, occupied people, um, frogmen with frog magic wands, frogmen with magic wands, all sorts of just biz- just bizarre phenomenon along the Ohio River, and we've talked about that I know in previous episodes a little bit. Like when we've when we've talked about like what do we think causes? Because I think you can do the same thing for the Mississippi River too. Like I think mm-hmm. that there's just as many things weird about the Mississippi River that no, ours is tell. weirder. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know home river pride yep, so <laughs> yep. we gotta be here but uh i think there's something too that just that major waterway that 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 causes it to be that causes it to be that way so
0: well, one thought could be that a river is considered to be an extremely liminal space many cultures have identified that there are strange mystical things that occur around rivers and also it has that similar effect of like say the roadway has a special mystic element to it um, because it is a route for travel. It's something that's in constant movement.
1: Well, yeah, but it's also like it. It's also like very interconnected with each other. I mean, it's like I'm like one of the things I'm that shocks most people is how interconnected waterways oh, are. Yeah. Like again, like I was, I think I was, the, I was at the I think I was at the Indianapolis Zoo the other day, and they were t- they had a whole exhibit talking about how they've just discovered. All these different like river and estuary and underground river waterways that all connect down to the Gulf, and so like I was talking to somebody who was trying to design their own tabletop game. Like, how, how would something in the water get from up here to up here? And I explained that to him. Like, it's it's really not that hard when you really when you re- when you really like when you really get into it. But I, I, I want to get into this story, um, the 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 Indiana mud mermaids. Like, what's your initial thought when you when you hear
0: this story, Vic? I immediately go to taxonomy like that is what like you want to stuff this thing (laughs) not taxidermy taxonomy they say I really want to get into looking at what clues and physical features we have and see if this can't be something we might be aware of or can we not get a better picture of what this likely would look like and that's where I spent like a lot of my research this week where are you going to start
1: that just sounds like the first step's to taxidermy, <laughs> like looking at the physical description of these things and just see where we can go from there. I'm like, you don't think we're going that far? Um, I want to get at, I, I want to get at why do you think that this story was not is not more popular than what it, than what it was? Because I didn't know about it. Like I I was researching this, then I just sort of like accidentally stumbled upon this. Well,
0: I first became aware of this story through a very hard to find book, Indiana Monsters. I've had, like, three copies of it, and every time I loan it out, the person runs away with it. I swear, I need to get, like, a fourth copy They just now. fall in love with the book, and they're like, they gotta love it. I mean, yeah, and people just keep stealing this book from me. I don't know why. It's a really good book, but <laughs> it's getting harder and harder to find
1: now. You know, now you know how Ellie feels working at the library. Peter yeah. People <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> just take her books and then just don't give back.
0: <clears throat> but, like, that's how I initially became aware of it. Uh, some years ago, I started doing some looking into it, um... I think one of the reasons it didn't travel farther is one, it's not all that commonly talked about. Like It's not like Bigfoot where P, uh, there's a large conversation around it. Another part of it is that um, well, the story didn't travel real far. It's not one of those ones where it didn't go like old-timey viral. <laughs> where like a ton of newspapers like picked up. And then the final one is it's a little niche with a bit of a vague description. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that and also, it's very weird. It's very weird. I think all these things contribute to, to it remaining somewhat elusive within the realm of the paranormal. I, it, it shocked me, though, because I, I really want to say, like, at the same
1: time in which this this had popped up was the same time, around the same time that the Fiji Mermaid also sort of started getting uh really, really popular as well. I'm trying to look up the date, like, right here in front of me because it, 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 it sort of jumped out at me. 1842. Okay, so this is like 50 years after it, so never mind on that. So I, I can see, I, I can sort of, that makes me even me, me, me even more shocked as to why this didn't be more of a popular thing. Because mermaids have always been something that's really popular, I would think, like even within like the American culture, like when we're talking about like just stories and stuff. Because
0: the Fiji Mermaid was huge. Mer- mermaids are kind of unique folklorically in the right. sense that they kind of independently evolved in many different places. It's sometimes hard to point out the exact spot um, the idea of the mermaid comes from, because it evolves independently in a lot of different cultures. It's like saying, "Where did the first idea of the dragon come from?" True. Well, it's kind of hard to say because it seemed to have popped up somewhat independently in a lot of different places. Do you think that the Do you think that
1: the Do you think that this story only popped up because of the Fiji mermaid's popularity within the within the eighteen forties? Because it was because P.T. Barnum was traveling. Was t- was traveling around at this time because we were talking about this over breakfast before we- that we went mm-hmm. to, and you were talking about the comment of of it being like probably not something that like could be in a real tank traveling around because that would be difficult. Like if it was this was like a real like an animal animal thing, but PT Barnum was traveling around with this Fiji mermaid thing at the time, so it was in,
0: it was in the zeitgeist. Uh, Guys,
1: uh, uh, you know, at the time for, for a lot of people,
0: like I would say, direct connection, no, perhaps lended to the naming though. Um, mainly, but if it was inspired by that, I would expect the taxonomy that was described to reflect better the Fiji mermaid. Yeah, uh, true. the Fiji mermaid, if you don't know, Small. is an extremely famous gaffe. Yep, uh, where you basically put together a, a taxidermied monkey with a taxidermied fish, slap it together, and say, This was a mermaid from Fiji. Yeah,
1: and I mean, and the thing was too that the Fiji mermaid was way really smaller than this, too, because the, oh, merma- yeah. the Fiji mermaid, I think, was only god, I think it was a foot and a half, maybe. Uh, and these things are described as being like five feet long. So. It, it kind of depends on what monkey and what fish you use to make your Fiji well, mermaid. Right. I, <laughs> yeah, I just meant. Uh, well, and I think that there's been a couple attempts at, at making it, but I think when the the popular one that was moving around, I don't think was like five feet long. I think it was smaller. I think it was smaller than that.
0: No, I, I want to say I don't remember the exact monkey that was used in the Fiji mermaid, but I want to say it was a approximately the same size as a rhesus yeah
1: i had a hard time believing though too that if this was a faked story that they wouldn't throw in a to hype it up to hype it up if you were really trying to do that to sell stuff that it would attack somebody
0: like i don't think it's a fake story
1: i don't think no. that's why i don't think it is either i think because of that reason mm-hmm. because think if you're a journalist during this time because during this time period a lot of journalists are trying to find the viral story of their day they're trying to find the bat boy of the day for them to dis, to, to describe. And if you're describing something like a, an aggressive mermaid with claws and teeth, if you're going to fake it, you might as well go all in and just sort of fabricate an attack on somebody.
0: Okay. Let's start getting into some ideas of what we think it might be. Uh, do you want right. to go first or do you want me sure, to go?
1: sure, 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 uh, sure. I think one of the explanations that people have thrown out that's the popular... Uh, if it is something is that it was a globster so that it was this and that really that more or less what it was was it was a dead animal that washed up on the shores of the ohio on on the bank that people then that was decomposing that people then extrapolated what it had to have been Um, these are pretty popular giant of these things that wash up on the beaches that you guys can look up the usual half states of decay. They're very hard to describe. The Montauk Monster is a famous exa- Is a famous example of people trying to claim something is decomposing, wash up on the shores. So the people that put forth the argument about the mermaid means be doing that would be somebody it washed up on the shore. People saw it. They just fabricated up all these other things about it just because they were gossiping around about this particular thing.
0: Well, most globsters you see pop up in sea areas mainly because you have something like a whale die off the shore its blubber starts breaking up and it can take on a lot of different forms same with the basking shark basking sharks just decay in a really weird way that makes them look like other animals Um, there's less good candidates for it when it comes to like a freshwater river but not impossible but one of the issues is this in the description Many things that were described are the first sort of things that would fall off from a rotting corpse. Okay. Uh, ears is the biggest one that I would like to point out.
1: Well, they described it as ears, but it could have been
0: flaps of skins that people supposed were ears. I mean, that's always a possibility. Um, also, like, smaller appendages are very likely to fall off, and we are talking about a river with a constantly moving current, and beyond that, mm-hmm. the paper doesn't say that they were. it was dead. No, it doesn't, it doesn't say
1: that it was dead. But then again, this was the Cincinnati Inquirer, which was several hundred miles away from the I mean, if you've ever played the game of telephone, your message gets
0: messed up by the end. I mean, fair. And in effectively, could it be a Glopster? Yes, perhaps. Like, I would say, like, maybe of a horse? Maybe... Well, I mean, we have thrown out the
1: we have thrown out the idea that there are massive giant catfish that are in the Ohio River, and some of the appendages like the whiskers of a catfish would definitely decompose quickly. Some of the the tail for it would um, probably the, the fins off the back of the tail would probably would probably go would probably go first. Now, I'm not I'm making a guess. I'm making a stretch. I'm just saying that I'm I, not I'm not dying on this horse.
0: I want to say on that hill. one of the l- Later things on a catfish to kind of break down because of how their bone structure works.
1: Also, that'd be a five-foot catfish. That'd be a big, that'd be a I big catfish. I believe that there's five-foot catfish
0: in the Ohio River. I would, too.
1: But I would also believe that people near the Ohio River will be able to recognize a catfish.
0: I would think so. Like, seeing rotting catfish along the banks of a river is not that weird mm-hmm. maybe just because of its size now it maybe, might be a problem now
1: maybe a five foot riding catfish might be a little bit out there for people now people during that time period may or may not know that there's a five foot giant catfish living in the
0: high river they might not know that at the time or as be as popular as today one of my thoughts was and i'm, I'm first i'm going to start with this one because this one does have <laughs> holes in it this one has some holes in it but i, I, I got, think it's interesting I got, to talk about i got
1: my thumb thumbtack to poke them
0: Okay, get, get ready, because there's a few few of them here to poke.
1: That's okay. River otter with mange. River, river otter with... Okay,
0: first one, can can an otter get mange? Truthfully, I've been looking into this, and I'm having a hell of a time confirming if a river otter can or cannot get mange. Well, there's, there's like, I was able to find zero articles of it occurring, so that makes me think, maybe not? But also, when I look into mange, I wasn't able to find anything that would preclude otters from being able to get mange and anything with fur
1: that's in water still get mange truthfully that's my question <sighs> that I'm having is because of this because it's a skin condition right
0: yes it's a skin condition
1: and but it, so you have skin that's constantly being hydrated so that's one of my things about whether or not if they can get mange
0: well at that point I, I would actually think that likely the oil on the otter skin is what right. would make it resistant to it because otters due to the oiliness of the fur have an extra layer of protection. I can't. I wasn't able to confirm for the life for the life of me if they can get mange, but I kind of feel like if you had a shaved otter, it would kind of check a lot of these boxes. There, there is the size issue, but uh, I mean, to be fair, people can people screw up size descriptions
1: all the time.
0: But I was mainly basing this on the feeding patterns and the fact that it had sharp teeth and claws, mm-hmm. because like otters. Commonly eat fish, they commonly eat mussels. They do exist in the rivers of Indiana or mm-hmm. did at the time. They were working on reintroducing them. Um, so, this is the thing I've even seen otters running across roads near the Ohio River nowadays. So, there are still some out there. Mm-hmm. But I've never seen anything that looked exactly like this. And we would have to somehow assume it had some sort of disease that was causing it to look. Off from the regular otter because first the locals should be able to identify an otter. It would need something like mange or a similar sort of disease causing it to appear differently. And this is during a time period of floods, so a higher amount of disease in animal populations would be to be expected. I mean, maybe,
1: maybe because I'm like I'm lo- I'm like I'm looking at a photo of a decomposing otter. Thank you very much, by the way, for that. I appreciate me having to look at this gross photo. And I could kind of see it. Uh, I mean, if you the the only problem that I really have is the tapering in part for it, and so it, it does have like the the back legs, the front legs, the sort of head balding esque look to it. I could see it getting sort of a yellowish twinge to its skin, uh, maybe. But the problem that I have with is the the body taping down to sort of a tail esque thing in the back.
0: Yeah, and it's not an exact fit by like, any means. Yeah.
1: Like one of the things that I thought that it might be, and I I threw this out there because you're going with the going with the animal round, was I thought that this might be some kind of like freshwater river dolphin. Interesting. Yeah, that got in there because there are freshwater river dolphins, and although when you when you and they and if you look at photos of them, depending on how the light hits them, they can have this really weird yellowish twinge to them, like this weird yellowish orangish sort of twinge that I could sort of see that they might get from the water now keep in mind are there dolphins in the ohio river not that i'm aware of
0: wait let let me just a point of clarification i might be wrong here Mm. but does north america have river dolphins
1: if you search for it i got something called like the loop so i think they can survive in the ohio river but i didn't see any photos like it's weird like you search that and it'll it'll pull up saying ohio river dolphin and there's no photos so that's really weird for me like when i looked that up Cause I cause I had that thought on my way to breakfast with you was could this thing be some sort of a river dolphin? Now the problem that you run into that is the river dolphins that are like in South America have this they're not like a bottlenose dolphin. They have this like Gibson shark swordfish friggin' snout that comes a lot longer. That's very pronounced. That would definitely be in the description of this. Now I don't know how fast those decompose, but I think that's jaw. So I don't I don't I think it'll still be there. Even if it decomposes, so I, this is a hard one for me for this, but it it might it tapers back a little bit, but it doesn't give
0: that tadpole look. But I mean, if a if a river dolphin made it to the Ohio River, that would be shocking, probably reported as a cryptid, right? Because the people in that area would not be used to seeing this, and river dolphins have a little more of a I, I personally think a more sinister look than like oceanic dolphins. There is that issue of I do find it somewhat skeptical that one could get there, but I guess not impossible. It just seems like a very out of place sort of creature, but mm-hmm. I think it's definitely the most interesting theory I've heard. Right.
1: Like I'm trying to explain the body color twinge, like twinge, like that's the that's the reason about why it jumped out at me was because of that sort of color look that they have.
0: Also in South America, in their folklore of river dolphins, they can shape shift into humans. <laughs> Maybe they saw it halfway between dolphin and human form. Uh probably good that I would I
1: I would also believe that there would also be a lot more accounts of aggressive behaviors. And I'm just gonna leave it at that.
0: And fancy hats. <laughs> <laughs> and, I,
1: and I'm not trying to juggle. Mike, just saying that's part of the story, and I go back to my point of saying that there are no aggressive accounts with these particular things. So, just throwing that out there for that. Um. So that was the reason about why I sort of jumped to the river dolphin, but the the, the snout thing is just too much for me. Unless I don't know they found a dead one and and it broke off for some reason. I I have no idea.
0: Are you ready to take a little bit of a ride? Don't worry, I have a much longer ride coming right, up, I mean, but I'm a, I'm, a little bit of a ride. My chair and parent. I'm a four wheel drive. <laughs> okay. Are you familiar with the Hellbender?
1: I am familiar with the Avatar. I am familiar with the Last Airbender, yes.
0: Okay, no. The Hellbender, it's North America's largest salamander and lives here in Indiana as well as a few other states. It does live along areas of the Ohio River, and since this was a time of flooding, some could be displaced even to Vevey, assuming that they weren't native to that area at the time. Because the hellbender's natural environment has been shrinking, it's hard to say when they were native to um, what areas. But a hellbender is fairly large, possesses the sort of tail we're looking for, has kind of a yellowish twinge to parts of its skin, and is pretty big. It's not five feet long, but it's, don't worry, we're going to get there. It's like two feet long. I'm looking it up. We're 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 going we're going to get there. Okay. It is only two feet long, but still could be shocking to someone who's not used to seeing it. It is very large for a salamander. The
1: tail type fits.
0: Yes, it does. I will say
1: this is the first thing that's come up where the actual (coughs) back of the body actually matches what the description is.
0: What if I told you perhaps a hellbender could be five feet long?
1: How they got that? Teenage Mutant Ninja <laughs> Hellbenders, Teenage Mutant Ninja First, Hellbenders. I would watch this. I would watch this. That is awesome.
0: Check out the Japanese giant salamander. Look up a picture yeah. of this thing. Watch it walk. It is a extremely near relative to the hellbender. They are very closely related. Um, and it is, or if I remember, it can be five foot, if not a little over, maybe a little under. But this thing is flipping huge. So we know a close relative of the Hellbender can reach that size in optimal situations. Five feet. Holy crap. It's the world's largest salamander. That is a that is a. And if you saw that walking around, amphi- that would you think that that's amphibian. a monster? That is
1: a big ass amphibian.
0: To the best of my knowledge, it is the world's largest living species of amphibian. And it is a massive, chonky beast. It has the correct tail. The color the colorization is a bit off. Yeah, I'm a, it's the, a lot
1: it's a lot darker
0: yeah the forearms and back arms though are pretty yeah. spot on for the thing it has many of the characteristics that we are looking for although are not all of them what are they fast uh, define fast fast enough
1: that people would connect them to a mermaid like on water they
0: can be fairly quick on land and they can do bursts of speed. I've I've seen one haul in it before. I'm going to outrun it, but... They're like
1: like the dwarves of the amphibian world. Like, very dangerous over short distances.
0: Like, you know. Like, when they haul it, it's kind of like a slow jog for a human. They're not that graceful on land. (laughs) Like, they can move on land, but, like, in the water, they can swim marginally fast. Uh But this seems to be like... I feel like I'm getting closer to something that it could be now downsides i will address that there are some issues here they don't have claws modern salamanders do not have claws well again
1: we're talking we're talking about a story from the 1890s and again i am generally willing to believe most witnesses i want to believe most people i'm just saying if i've i have I go back to the story of my grandfather and the deer that he shot. And the, when, I, when it started as a baby, the deer was a six-point buck. By the time he passed away, the thing was like a 16-point buck. Okay? And I'm like, I see its head, and I can count the points on the antler. <laughs> like, I, I can just tell. Like, he's just it's expanding. It's got red glowing eyes. By the end of it, it attacked him. He had one bullet left. He missed. And to stab with a knife, like, it was just the story just sort of expanded as he got older. Like, I'm just saying, like, I'm, there could be some...
0: Hyperbole for the sake of the story. Or perhaps I can address the hyperbole. If Will you ride with me a little longer? I'm, I'm going, I'm going. Okay. Although modern salamanders do not possess claws, and modern salamanders do not have teeth as it, they are described, but if we go back in the fossil record, guess what? They do. <laughs> like, if we go far enough back in the fossil record, we do find salamanders that are of the size that's reported that do have the sort of tails that are reported, can more likely be of the sort of color, has sharp teeth as described, has sharp claws as described, and even have some things that perhaps would be recognized as ears.
1: And well, one of the things that we, okay, and so one of the things that, that we've talked about, like if you go back to, the, if you've ever heard us talk about the episode that almost was, which was the top five unexplained things in the paranormal that never got out because we're pretty sure that's whenever the, the men in black made their move on us and crashed my computer. The very first one that we covered was about this weird phenomenon that's around the world of people breaking open rocks and finding, like, living amphibians and reptiles in them. It's a really weird thing. You can Google stories of these. That people will do that. They'll break these open. And like these weird things will just pop out fully fine. And along the Ohio River, along our side of the Ohio River, I know in Indiana for sure, uh, there are a lot of coal mines. There are a lot of mines that that exist over here. So there's a lot of demolition work that's going on, including in the 1890s or maybe beforehand. So maybe there was something that happened like that where something was blasted open. And one of these giant prehistoric amphibians got out and got into the riverway.
0: There are a lot of odd accounts like that, but also driving <laughs> much of the reason why animals go extinct is because they get outperformed in general and do, and cannot keep up a constant breeding population. <laughs> Six foot w- giant salamander. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's the, this creature is alive and is the cause of all extinction, but sometimes a, relic creature can find a niche environment in just the right area and maintain a small breeding population pretty much hidden from the rest of the world what is the would, niche of a 5 foot salamander we're, we're getting there what how would you describe would you describe these river areas in southern indiana as being highly swampy and lake like that would be very true yeah which would be this thing's optimal Environment, and I'm actually working my way towards a specific culprit that I think fits this thing's bill. <gasps> River dolphins. <laughs> Di- now, I'm probably going to mispronounce it. This Diplocolus, Diplocallus. Vic just had a stroke. <laughs> it is a specific type of ancient salamander that did live in North America. It was kind of long, a little, a little leaner in parts, a little chunkier in parts. But for the most part, the, the front legs are there, the back legs are there. It's going to have that tail as described, and it has a special uh, adaptation on the skull, where the skull bends first wide and upward, giving it an appearance That's of ears. ears. The idea is this, it's it, while it's submerged below the water, if it suddenly takes off at high speed, this curve causes it to suddenly veer upwards to the surface, mm-hmm. allowing it to make a rapid assault at something on the surface, grab it, and go back Which down. Which would
1: describe it very aggressively, the aggressive behavior like we saw
0: in the accounts of this thing. And as this creature would have evolved with time, it's likely that this skull curvature would continue to go in the direction that it was already developing. A sharper and sharper curve upward, eventually likely ending in something that would resemble the ears of a dog or wolf, and if you want to, I have a picture on here. If you want to jump over here to yeah, get a yeah, look yeah, at this yeah, thing, yeah, real I'm quick.
1: gonna take a gander. I'm gonna take a look at this.
0: Yeah, yeah, come, 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 come around. This is like kind of a bit of a crude drawing, but this is the sort of scale or shape that I'm talking about. It's not actually an ear, but it gives that sort of appearance. There's also other prehistoric salamanders that have external gills and strange gill structures to protect them. So even if it's not this specific one. It's possible that since these early salamanders were developing head structures to protect those areas, that something could have developed something along the lines of ears.
1: I don't know. though. The, the heads, throw, like every everything about the body, is 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 on point. The heads are throwing me off because it, it gives more of the like the Van Meter monster sort of look, where it's like curved back, like this huge horn thing sticking up out of the out of the top that's coming up. Oh wait, no, um, no. You, you,
0: I think you saw the picture wrong. It's oh. coming out like this. The pers- this, the picture isn't very well drawn. Oh, okay. Um, but they're actually coming out this way. Oh, okay. So okay. So it gives them more of a. Okay, I got you now. Yeah, paleontologists are bad drawlers. <laughs> it really <laughs> seems like as that to apparently me. or
1: Kentucky Confederate colonels uh, <laughs> apparently as we saw.
0: But truthfully, it its face arguably like, I guess we can assign like the description of it having a human like face to pareidolia. Mm-hmm. but. That's the biggest hurdle I have oh. with it, this being the creature is the face I, does not look specifically human, but for the most part, I really think that this is a good sell. That's a long sell for us to get to that, it's a, that it was
1: that, but, I'm not, but, I, but I think that so far... Can I that, toss
0: one more cherry in? One sure, more cherry? Sure, sure, sure. This is during a time of a higher amount of flooding, so this thing could have been That's living true. in a hidden inland swamp or lake, basically just kind of surviving there with a small population. When the water level rises, it rises up with it and gets swept into the river. It was about seven years prior to this. We had, like a lot of people are familiar with the Great Flood of 1937.
1: We had another flood. It was about 1884. So this was about seven years prior to, the, to this particular incident. So that may have been what swept it in there. So I will say that I think so far this has been one of the biggest contenders for what this thing particularly could be. I think that bringing up the concept of what I was talking about, this weird phenomenon, and I, and I really strongly encourage people to do this. Look up the stories involving people breaking open rock, and amphibians and reptiles just coming out. And it's a weird thing that we just have oh live uh, ones too yeah, and they're alive. Oh yeah, they're alive. And just it will just blow your mind away, and it really opens up this massive can of worms in the paranormal that most people don't don't understand like don't get like i i've seen a lot of stuff where especially with the new jurassic park movies that have become like the new Jersey park movie that comes out and everybody's all like oh well, you know we could like splice in like dna and, and it might be that you know we might be creating these ancient monsters and stuff when in reality it could be more closer to the king kong godzilla-esque movies where these things have just been living for a while Something has disturbed them and now they're being reintroduced back into back into the wild.
0: These stories are always really interesting, but they're impossible to scientifically make sense of. Like some of the ones were like, oh, we cracked a rock and a pterodactyl <laughs> came out. <laughs> and here's a ton of witnesses signing documents saying this is exactly what we saw. <laughs> I I I I'm tempted to believe them. The issue is this. I have no mechanism within science to explain how that works.
1: I swear, it reminds me of the old scene from The Simpsons when Kent Brockman, the anchor guy, would bring on like this scientist, and they would be like, "Are you saying that there are giant lizard monsters that are terrorizing, and we all need to panic?" Yes, I would, (laughs) Kent.
0: Like, and that's just all he would say because he had nothing else to say on it. Like, like it was just that brief because they had no answers. I mean, sometimes science doesn't always offer. A great explanation to some of this really weird stuff. And that's how
1: you get over to us jumping on our paranormal four wheeler, just driving like driving around over trying to explain some of these I things. I don't know.
0: I think I did a pretty good that sciencey a, job okay, today. That wasn't an
1: insult. <laughs> I thought that we I truthfully, I thought that we dived way deeper into the Indiana Mud Monster than other stuff that I was seeing out there, which is why I think you guys come to us.
0: But I'm gonna go first on uh yeah, yeah, go, closing go, thoughts. Yeah, go for it. It's Diblococulus. <laughs> I, I, I'm certain. No, I, I'm not 100%. There, there are a few issues of this thing died out a very long time ago. Explaining how it could survive even in an isolated population for that long is challenging. But I think taxon, taxon, taxonomically, it's the closest thing I really could find. It took me a long rabbit hole to come to a salamander that could have giant wolf or dog-like ears. Teeth and claws, but I, I think it's the closest thing. Um, and just in case you guys want to look it up, because I'm sure I mispronounced it D I P L O C A U L U S. I think
1: that my, my final thoughts on it, I think that it could just be its own type of aquatic mermaid. Like, I think it, it could. We don't, we, we might not have to fully explain it away as that, it, that it's just a misidentified cr- creature of some kind. There are other, I mean, we never really did talk about that much in this episode, really, about that, could this thing be an actual mermaid that exists in fresh water? I think most people typically, when they're thinking about mermaids, they're really, they're, they're thinking about the, you know, little mermaid stories or other stories of people seeing these things in the oceans, not realizing at the same time there are cultures around the world that do have mermaid as things in fresh water.
0: I mean, yeah, like what is it, the the marrow would actually fit this yeah. description pretty well. It's basically this kind of evilish Irish mermaid. Yeah,
1: I think kappas also exist in freshwater. They have, they have, they uh, have yes, kappas, yeah.
0: uh usually exist within freshwater, yeah. although don't have like long tails.
1: No, no, they don't. But there's but there's aquatic mermaid esque creatures that exist like within within freshwater, and I think that that is a point that I think that. A lot of people miscon like misconstrue about mermaids is that this is a possible thing that can happen. I think it even bled into this episode because we <laughs> went way into this has to be some other sort of creature. It can't possibly be a mermaid, but you know, if it, you give it me a chance well to could. talk
0: about giant salamanders, I will I know, and you know, we've still
1: got a whole we still by the way, keep in mind, we still got a whole fifteen more minutes to go exclusively for the patrons, uh, where we're, I want to go into another type of tie-in uh here in a minute. And then maybe we can dive a little bit more into the idea of it being an actual merfolk, like an actual mermaid. Mermaid. But uh, again, thank you guys so much for checking out this episode. Put in the comments below what you guys think about this. Uh, about this, do you guys think that it was a salamander? Is it a freshwater dolphin?
0: Uh,
1: is it an otter with mange? Which um, I'm it, still uh, not
0: certain is a real thing. <laughs> a
1: cat, a cat, some sort of decomposing body. Do you think that it's real uh, at all? Do you think that it's going to be a mermaid? for those of you that are patrons stick around for this, cause that's what we're going to go into in the patron section. But until next time, guys keep believing
0: because we'll keep listening.
1: All right, guys, we're going to slide into the pillow talk segment of this podcast. If you want to check out the rest of the awesome podcast, like I do, go over to our Patreon and sign up for as little as a dollar a month to get the rest of this awesome podcast, as well as bonus episodes that we put up exclusively for you. Um, I thought that we would keep going. Uh, uh, in, in this, uh, talking a little bit more uh, about this from a, a Murfroke perspective, uh, because this particular story actually kind of coincides with another particular famous cryptid encounter right in our backyard here in Evansville. Uh, for those of you that are very familiar, that are familiar with uh, one of our very first videos that we actually ever did, uh, we covered a famous Evansville cryptid called the Green Clawed Beast. Which is a famous uh, cryptid encounter from August 14th, 1955, in which these two women were swimming down in Dogtown, Evansville, down in that particular area during the day, uh, and they were like they were tubing, they were on like inner tubes, and one of them was grabbed, yanked underwater by something, uh, and her friend came over to help, and the creature got this web.